I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The text for the sermon is verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. I heard a story once about a child who misunderstood the first line of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This child was confused because he said, why would I not want the Lord to be my shepherd? There's something interesting about that because by nature we do not want the Lord to be our shepherd, do we? By nature, we resist him. By nature, we will have nothing to do with him so that he must come to us and overcome our resistance by the power of his grace. But that's not what the psalmist had in mind when he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What he has in mind is actually explained by the text that is before us this morning. To want something, children is to lack it or to have need of it. Now, you might lack something or have need of something that is important without even realizing that you lack it or have need of it. Sometimes you get sick and you have aches and pains. You feel tired and you just plug along in your daily tasks. And it's not until you start to recover from your illness that you come to realize how sick you actually were for a while. There are needs and lacks that we are not conscious of, but whether we are conscious of them or not, we have these needs as sheep who belong to the care of our shepherd. There are many things that we lack, things that must be given to us. And the shepherd, Jehovah, is here to provide those things that we lack. How? While he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, the psalmist says, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. So I call our attention this morning to our text, and the theme of the sermon is the shepherd who provides. First, we will notice what he provides, green pastures and still waters. Secondly, how it affects the sheep, making them to lie down. And then we'll conclude with the calling 
which is the calling to receive this provision that the shepherd provides. A shepherd who provides first what he provides, second how it affects the sheep, finally receiving it. What the shepherd provides, first of all, according to the psalmist, is green pastures. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, when we read this psalm, I think this is the picture that we have in our minds and imaginations. We see a nice, tidy, white flock of sheep. There's a shepherd standing somewhere nearby, maybe a sheepdog to the side. They're all gathered around a pen, maybe built out of stone. And they're standing in this lush, green grass. And they have plenty and plenty of grass to eat right where they're standing. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Well, that might be what green pastures look like in Ireland or New Zealand or Wisconsin, but it's not what green pastures look like in the Middle East, which is where the psalmist lived and where he wrote this psalm. Now, it's true that God said that Canaan was a land flowing with milk and honey, a lush and verdant land. And there were places in Canaan where you could go to grow barley and wheat and other crops. There were vineyards that God's people had in Israel, and there were olive groves, and there were all kinds of produce that they were able to get from the land. But the sheep and the shepherds generally were not kept in those areas where the produce was being cultivated and where the soil was rich and fertile. No, the shepherds and the sheep had to go out into the wilderness to find the green things that grew among the rocks. If you remember the story of Samuel going to the house of Jesse in order to designate who was going to be the next king of Israel with the oil, David wasn't anywhere to be found. And they had to send somebody to go fetch David. Why? Because he was out in the wilderness taking care of the sheep. So think of a dry and a rather arid climate, almost like a desert. Right? Canaan is there. There's the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, but all around it is wilderness, desert. Some of you have heard of a man named Ray Vanderlaan who goes on trips to Israel and Judea and gives instruction on some of these cultural matters that maybe we wouldn't be very familiar with. Well, there's a video that I saw of him standing there in the wilderness of Judea, and all around him are these rocks. And he explains that even though it's a dry, almost desert-like climate, there's a lot of humidity in the air. And this humidity causes condensation to form on these rocks. And so a little trickle of water will seep down those rocks. And so growing out from under those rocks are little shoots of green grass. If you were standing on a hill looking across the landscape, you would say there's nothing green there. There is no pasture land for any sort of cattle or sheep to live off of. But the shepherd knows where it is. The shepherd knows where these green shoots grow and where to lead his flock so that they will be able to eat it and have enough. 
Obviously, that makes the role of the shepherd pretty crucial. If it was just a pen with a a wall built of stone with very deep, lush, green pastures, you wouldn't really need a shepherd to lead the sheep to find those pastures. You could enclose them off and go off and take care of your day. But here, the shepherd must lead the sheep to find the green pastures that they would not otherwise be able to find. So the shepherd provides green pastures for his sheep. He also leads his flock beside the still waters. And the importance of water should be clear in light of what we just said. Canaan is a dry and arid climate, almost like a desert in some places. So you can go for miles and miles and not find any water, at least not on the surface. The water there is has to come from the wells that men dig. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Jacob always had to dig wells in the land of Canaan? Well, the shepherd has to come and dig a well, and then he has to draw the water out of the well and put it in a trough so that the sheep can access it. Maybe there are a few springs or a few soft-flowing streams that sometimes the shepherd can lead his flock to. But he cannot lead them to the big rivers like the River Jordan that, that flows across the land of Canaan because the current is too strong. So if the sheep start to go in there to take a drink, they'll get pulled in and they'll drown. It has to be still waters, waters that are placed there in the trough by the shepherd or waters that are in a spring or a pond, which was pretty rare in the land of Canaan. But without water, the sheep will die. Water is essential, essential for any creature. We, we understand this. If you don't have water after a few days, you're going to be dehydrated and you're going to die. And of course, when you're out in the heat of the day, there's nothing so satisfying as a cool drink of water to refresh you. But the sheep need the shepherd. They need the shepherd to lead them to the place where the still waters can be found. They need the shepherd to lead them to the place where the green pastures can be found. The shepherd knows the way, and the sheep must follow. All of this clearly has some pretty significant implications for the shepherd himself. First of all, it implies that the shepherd must always be right there with his sheep, doesn't it? He can't simply close them off in a pen and go off and take care of other matters because if he does, those sheep will never get enough green pasture and they will starve. The sheep needs the full presence and the full attention of the shepherd at all times to lead them and to guide them to the place where they can find this provision, which means that the shepherd must be right down there in the rocky, arid, dry climate along with the sheep. And then secondly, this implies that the shepherd has a lot of work to do. He has to know where the pastures are in order to be able to guide his sheep to those pastures. He has to have the strength to dig the well and the ability to draw the water out of the well so that his sheep have those still waters to drink. It's not just that the sheep are dependent on the shepherd in order to provide all of those needs. That's true. But it's also that this dependence of the sheep on the shepherd means that the shepherd has a lot of work to do, a lot of sacrifice. 
that he must make. All of their provision and all of their care comes at his expense. But that's the nature of this relationship between shepherd and sheep. And that's the beauty of the psalmist's confession that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that is David's confession, and that is our confession. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack anything that I need. Now, speaking not of the animals that we call sheep, that are the picture of the text, but now speaking about us, who are described in the word of God under this illustration of sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. Green pastures. What do we need, beloved? What do we need, you sheep of the shepherd? What do we need to survive? And not only to survive, but to thrive under the care and ownership of our shepherd. Well, we need nutrients. We need spiritual nutrition. And we need enough of it to fill our bellies, that is, enough of it to carry us through the length of our journey that will bring us to the end of our life and into the house of the Lord where we will dwell for all of our days. But it's significant that we need just enough. Just enough for each day. That's why I draw our attention to that little detail about the climate in Canaan and the nature of the green pastures that David was thinking of when he was writing this psalm. There's going to be a day when the pasture is so full that we don't even have to move an inch in order to get everything that we need to have a full belly and to be completely content. That day is coming. But that's not the way it often is in our Christian life today, is it? as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as we face the challenges of life, as we battle against sin and unbelief in ourselves, and as we fight for righteousness and the cause of the Lord and the world around us, we don't always feel so full and content. It's day by day, green shoot by green shoot, nibble by nibble, of the little grass that shoots up among the rocks. That's what our spiritual journey is like. The Lord opens His hand to us. He provides for us as His shepherd, but He provides for our needs for this day. Not for tomorrow. Not for the day after that. But this day. No more no less. And we have to follow Him step by step every bit of the way snapping up the morsels that are there in the rocks. What did Jeremiah say? Remember Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations? Standing there in the ruins of Jerusalem having seen the walls torn down 
having seen the temple burn to the ground, streets are now empty. What does he say? Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Green pastures. But what are those green pastures? Often we speak of the green pastures of the Word of God. When we pray for the pastor, a lot of the times we ask that God would use the pastor to lead us into the green pastures of thy word. And that's right. You will find the green pastures, the spiritual nutrition and vitamins necessary to support your spiritual life as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death in the word of God. You will find those green pastures when you open up your Bible in the early morning hours of the day and you read what the Scriptures say and you apply it to your life. You will find those green pastures when you come into the Lord's house on the Sabbath day and you open up your ears and you open up your mind and your heart and you hear what the Spirit says to this congregation on this Lord's day. In the preaching, Jesus says we cannot live by bread alone but we must have the Word of the living God to support our spiritual life. But let's not get the wrong idea about that. It's not the written or spoken Word itself that feeds us. That's a means. But it's what that Word communicates to our souls. It's the Word, in other words, that calls out to us, not with the voice of this human instrument who is standing before you, but with the voice of the shepherd who calls to his sheep. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, they recognize my voice, and they come when I call to them. The Word that feeds us as the green pastures is the word that powerfully, with the authority of God Himself, declares to everyone who believes in the congregation that your sins are forgiven and that you are righteous through the blood and Spirit of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. It's the word that having declared our righteousness with the sovereign authority of God Almighty, then instructs and directs our hearts as new creatures now in Jesus Christ so that we walk in the paths of righteousness and we seek to do what's right in our life. The Word that is the green pastures that feeds and nourishes our souls, in other words, is the Word of the Shepherd Himself. It's Jesus Christ, Jehovah salvation, Jehovah who is my shepherd, who speaks to us and fills us up with His own life and with His own presence by His Word. And that Word always comes with the Spirit. Green pastures, spiritual nutrition and vitamins to support our life. And 
still waters. Waters that the shepherd draws out of his own well for his sheep to drink and to be satisfied. Remember the story in John 4 of Jesus coming into Samaria and sitting by that woman of Samaria by Jacob's well, that well that the patriarch Jacob had dug many years before exactly to provide water for his sheep. And Jesus asked that woman to draw some water from the well for him. He was thirsty. And she was surprised because you're a Jew and the Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus' response to her was interesting. He said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked me to draw you water and he would have given you living waters that would be like a well within you bubbling up into everlasting life. Water of life. Water that is the Spirit of the living God who dwells within the hearts of His people. Water, spiritual water, that always comes along with the green pastures of the Word. This is what Jehovah provides for His sheep. Life itself. Food for the soul. And he does it all at his own expense. There's only one way he can provide for us these green pastures and still waters. He has to be with us. He has to walk alongside of us in the dry and arid landscape of this world. He has to humble himself face the same hardships that we face and not just face them but bear the brunt of them. That, of course, is exactly who our Lord Jesus Christ is, isn't it? He is God of God, light of light, true God of true God, who was nevertheless made like unto his brethren in all things except for sin. He walked among us. He hungered and he thirsted so that he needed water to be drawn out of a well. And he suffered. Suffered in our midst. And though he has passed through that suffering into exaltation, still he's always conscious of us. All of his attention as the risen and exalted Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God is for his sheep. He's constantly interceding for them, constantly praying for them, constantly paying attention to them. And though in the flesh He is distant from us, yet He comes to us by His Spirit and by His Word. He's with us. With us in the valley. With us in all of our afflictions. And the care that He brings to us is a care that comes at the cost of his own life. Ultimately, beloved, this is what our green pastures and still waters are. It's the word of God, yes. It's the knowledge of the living God, yes. But it's the broken body and the shed blood of the shepherd. It's his life pressed out of him 
like wine is pressed out of grapes. And it's his flesh crushed and ground into pieces like grains that are crushed into powder and baked into bread. And then we eat and we drink him so that we live and survive and flourish from his own body and his own blood. That's the provision of our shepherd. His own life that he lays down for his sheep. How this affects the sheep, according to the text, is that they lie down. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, as you know, I'm not a shepherd. So, I'm reliant on what others say about the behavior of sheep. Maybe some of you have experience dealing with sheep. I don't have any such experience, so I have to read about it. I referenced this book in the past, but once again, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23 as a helpful resource for understanding this psalm, specifically with how sheep behave and what David the psalmist was looking at when he was writing this psalm and making this analogy. Well, according to the author of that book, who himself is a shepherd, sheep do not easily lie down. If they are hungry, they will not lie down. If they are thirsty, they will not lie down. If they are agitated by flies or disturbed by parasites or upset about potential predators that might be lurking around them, they will not lie down. They will be fidgety. They will be full of anxiety. And they will keep standing. The author of A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 tells a story of his friend who once came to visit him in his pastures and he brought this little dog along and he opened the door of his car and the little dog ran out and immediately a couple hundred sheep stood up and took off running in a stampede of anxiety and fear because of this little dog that upset them. The point is, To have sheep lying down is a picture of total rest and total contentment. She will only lie down if her stomach is full and her thirst is quenched. She will only lie down when the predators are kept at bay and the irritating bugs are dealt with through whatever ointments or medications the shepherd applies. It's only with all of their needs properly cared for that the sheep will ever lie down and be at rest. And this is all the effect then of the shepherd's provision for his sheep. The sheep are not able to find those green pastures by themselves. The sheep do not have the hands or the strength to draw water from the well themselves. The sheep are about as vulnerable and as defenseless when it comes to the threat of predators as any animal can possibly be. All they can do is run away and they can't even run very fast. And the result of their flight often is that they become separated from the flock and they end up lost out in the wilderness somewhere. 
There is no contentment and there is no rest for the sheep, in other words, apart from the shepherd and his care. But this shepherd's care evidently is quite effective. His sheep are lying down. Lying down even in green pastures. There's more food around them that they could be going after, but they don't feel the need to because their needs are cared for. They're content. Their stomach is full. That's the effect of Jehovah's provision of his sheep. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now I realize we do not always feel at rest in our spiritual walk with the Lord. There are times when we feel agitated and antsy. That's why the Bible gives this picture of us, that we are sheep. We feel that there are things that we lack in order to be healthy and whole in our walk with the Lord. Maybe we lack good friends and spiritual fellowship so that we feel very alone. Maybe we have been stretched thin by an overconsumption of media living as we do in the internet age so that we struggle to focus deeply and to meditate on spiritual things because our mind is always going back to our phones and our tablets and our devices. Maybe we have been disturbed by new ideas we never thought of before and things we took for granted no longer seem certain to us. Maybe we keep falling back into certain patterns of sinful thinking and sinful acting out. We have outbursts of anger, perhaps. We become selfish and self-centered in our treatment of others. And then we look at this image in the psalm of contented sheep lying down in green pastures, and our reaction to that is, oh, I sure wish that was me. And if only I could find a few good friends in order to resolve this loneliness that I'm feeling. If only I could regain control of my media usage and develop some good habits of focused meditation once again. If only I could find the answers to my questions. If only I could break out of this sinful pattern of unrighteous anger or self-centeredness that I keep falling back into. Then I would be like those sheep. and Then I would be content. And then I would be at rest. But it's a mistake to think that way, beloved. In fact, that kind of logic is the exact path that leads to greater and greater disquiet and deeper and deeper spiritual anxiety. What we are saying when we think that way is this. I have to make myself lie down in green pastures. I have to find that pasturage for myself to fill my aching, hungry stomach. I have to discover those still waters to quench my thirst. I have to bring myself to contentment and rest. But it will never work. Because you will never find the perfect friends. And you will never find the answer to all your questions. And you will never escape entirely the environment in which you live, which in our case is an environment saturated with media and digital technology. 
And you will never be able to put your sinful nature finally in the grave. At least not in this life. You can't do it. You can't. You can't make yourself lie down in green pastures. That's the work of the shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures, the psalmist says. He leads me beside the still waters. He does it. I'm just a sheep. That's not an insult. That's just a description of reality. I'm just a sheep. Foolish, skittish, vulnerable, entirely dependent on my shepherd and his care. And beloved, we need to know this. You need to know this. You need to know this about yourself. Stop trying to be the shepherd. Don't try to be the shepherd. It won't work. You need to be who you are. And what you are is a sheep. Recognize that in this life, you're always going to be a work in progress. You're not going to be a finished product until you reach glorification in everlasting life. And look to your God to feed you and to rest you and to give you all your need. I firmly believe, beloved, that as we remember who and what we are and as we look to the shepherd and as we trust in him to provide for our needs and in him alone, all those other issues will resolve themselves or they will become non-issues. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Remember the disciples sitting in their boat, terrified of the storm, thinking that they're going to drown, thinking that some evil spirit is coming to them out of the darkness, and they cry out in their fear. And then, one word. One word from the Master. And everything goes still. And they learned something important there. What they learned is that they were really under his protection the whole time. And they shouldn't have been so fearful. The battle of the Christian life, beloved, is always a battle of faith. It's not a battle of works. It's not a battle of trying harder and harder to do our duty as such. It's a battle of faith. And all these other things, when you live by faith, shall be added unto you. Faith, then, is where the application needs to strike us this morning. By faith, as sheep, now, with the shepherd addressing us, we are called to receive the provision that the shepherd provides. And I do want to qualify what receiving means, but I don't want to qualify it overly much. I know ultimately, even our receiving of Christ and His benefits is the work of the Spirit in us, a sovereign work of God. Jesus says, no man can come to Christ except the Father draw him. 
That's John 6. No man will ever receive Christ unless his blind eyes are opened and his dead heart is made alive. And when a child of God does repent and believe and receive Christ, that whole activity is authored and sustained in him by the Spirit of Christ who is in him. None of it comes from me. None of it comes from you. It's all a work of grace. We need to understand that that's the truth. But don't let that qualification take away from the calling that we must now hear. Now that you have that quickened heart, and now that you have those opened eyes, now that you are hearing the Word of God as a regenerated believer who has been made alive by the Spirit of God, you must hear what the shepherd is saying to you. As he calls to you, as his precious sheep. And what he says to you is this. Receive it. Receive my provision for you. Do not harden your heart. Do not say, well, those waters over there sure look nice, but I really prefer this muddy puddle over here. Incredibly, that's what sheep do sometimes. There's a clear, clean source of water, life-giving water that the shepherd provides. And then the sheep go and they, they lick up the grime in a mud puddle. Don't do that. Don't try to support your life in the muddy, dirty pleasures of sin and of this world. Do not harden your heart. But eat the green pastures and drink of the still waters. Accept the fact that you are a sinner who can only live if the shepherd's body is broken and his blood shed for you, for your redemption. Acknowledge that even this sacrifice, the pouring out of the lifeblood of the Son of God, was necessary for you to have any hope, to have any life. And then hold on to the cross. Hold on to it as if your life depended on it. It does. Receive it. Beloved, don't hold back. Don't run away. Don't come up with reasons why you don't really need this. Receive it. Eat. Drink. Be satisfied. Be replenished with the only provision that is able to sustain you to life eternal. The provision that your shepherd Jehovah provides for you. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank Thee for leading us beside the still waters and making us to lie down in green pastures and giving us what provision we need day by day to sustain our life as we walk through this valley of tears. And we thank Thee, Father, for the hope that one day we will enter into life itself and where all of our needs will be satisfied fully. We pray, O oh Father, now as we partake in the sacrament, that we may partake of it by faith, not clinging to bread and wine, but looking up 
unto Jesus Christ and His broken body and His shed blood, that we may be nourished unto life eternal. Forgive our sins and hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.